This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 7th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, glow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram at manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family still have the 80% off clearance sale going on down at MyPillow. In addition to that, they've launched the MyPillow version 2.0. Buy one, get one free. You can pick up some Airlandells and Giza Dream Everything when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You enter promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 25% off your total order, 50% off when you make it a monthly purchase. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, it's MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, finally getting used to the new intro, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter, Twitter, and True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 211. I'm Ro, Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we've got a great show. It's packed with some great guests and lots of news. Developing stories happening all over the place. State of the Union tonight. So let's jump right into it. For the uh, State of the Union from the Biden regime, what do you anticipate uh, you're going to hear, sir? Well, Steve, uh, thanks for having me on War Room. Uh, Honestly, I don't think there's anything that I'm going to hear there that I really want to hear. I want to hear accountability. I want to hear answers. I want to hear the truth. And I don't think I'm going to hear any of that. Um, So I think uh, that I can set the bar as low as I possibly can, and I don't even think the president's going to meet it. I'll speak in a moment about the fact that I think most of us who are devout public servants understand that we in government have great possibility in terms of the the range at which we work as government, but when we are joined with our friends in the private sector, we can take advantage of the skills and the innovation that they so uniquely in so many situations are able to accomplish and grow. Part, part of the problem, forgive me for jumping in, but part of the problem, and the president gets this because he talked about this in the last midterm campaign and prior presidents have got this, you can't tell people you're doing better 
Uh, people have to feel it. And if you look at this poll, are you worse off financially since the president took office? Uh, this is in the Washington Post ABC poll. Uh, that's the highest number they've been polling for 37 years. And 41% of Americans say they're worse off since the president took office. That's the old Ronald Reagan question, right? Running for re-election, do you feel better off uh, than you were four years ago? So that's a tough one. This speech tomorrow night. Well, as you know, the president is heavily, uh, as I've said many times, heavily engaged in the writing process. When you when you hear the speech, you're certainly here. Uh, there will be no question that this is a Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden State of the Union speech. Uh, so just want to make that really clear. But, you know, don't want to get ahead of what you're going to hear from him. Uh, and so, again. When President Biden addresses the nation on Tuesday night, he will be speaking to a skeptical public. Despite the low unemployment rate, a stronger than expected midterm performance for his political party, and a string of legislative accomplishments, the president's job rating sits at just 45 percent. His poll numbers are even lower on his handling of the economy, foreign policy, and specifically the war in Ukraine. Two-thirds of voters have reservations or are very uncomfortable with the idea of Biden running for a second term. Those were some of the sounds you heard coming out of the weekend in uh, previewing Joe Biden's State of the Union address tonight, which is Tuesday, February 7th. Wait, it's it, it's going to be a Joe Biden speech? Why didn't anybody tell me until today? According to KGP, it's definitely going to be a Joe Biden speech. And this is like, Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. If you're joining us for the first time, of course, welcome. Follow across all social medias. Just type in Steak for Breakfast. You could follow us on the Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify as well. Subscribe to the show, rate it, give a review, and uh, let's get right into this news that's going on here. So Joe Biden's got the State of the Union address that's coming right off of the uh, balloon gate that happened over the course of the last week, week and a half. And uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And now we have um, the border crisis hearings are just getting kicked off today. We'll preview it, not get into it too much, but there's definitely some pertinent information there that we need to uh begin to address on our show as we've been one of the only podcasts that have been covering it. And like I said, we'll be covering the State of the Union, unfortunately, uh, as it's getting ready to be broadcast everywhere tonight. Kind of uh, more theater, but there are a lot of people that tune in historically. So if, if people aren't really politically educated or if they're not really into the news and they see their lives possibly have gotten worse over the course of the last two years, they might not hear the absolute truth mm-hmm. onto why their lives are that bad. A lot of people feel obligated to just be present for certain things like this, whether or not they're actually going to believe what they're hearing or not. It's another story. What do you think the toxicity levels of Joe Biden's blood is going to be tonight for him to get out there and bang this out mm. semi-proficiently? I'd like a, a live ticker at the bottom that shows exactly what they're pumping into him to keep him lucid and awake. I will text you your Joe Biden State of the Union bingo card <laughs> on our first break here. But, uh, yeah, we've got a great show lined up. In addition to all the news we're going to be bringing you, uh, one of our great friends, the other-in-chief of the National Pulse, Raheem Kassam, is going to be here, the official spokeswoman for the 45th president. Uh, Liz Harrington is going to be joining us as well, and we're going to be sitting down for the first time for the uh, director of Moms for Liberty, uh, Catalina Stubbe, who's been making the rounds with a lot of our congressional counterparts. I know she's endorsed by people like Rick Scott and Marco Rubio. Uh, She's been on Matt Gaetz' program as well. And, you know, trying to add different components to the show, we really need to uh, stick to the stuff that's happened with the kids. We've always highlighted it as, you know, we're all parents on Steak for Breakfast here. And uh, there's a massive attack that goes outside of trans story hour that's going on with the children's right now. You know, we, we've talked about it with people like Congressman Kevin Kiley, the COVID vaccine, and then, you know, the, just the education system in general. I see some of the garbage that my kids come home from school with sometimes, and, and it's a charter school and, and with a pretty conservative board. They were no vax mandates from the beginning. They were also uh, masks over as soon as 
you know, we got out of COVID and we're one of the faster schools in San Diego County to actually get back to in-person work. Wait, but, we're, out, we're out of COVID? Mm, well, it depends on who you ask and why you're asking. Mm. If it's for student loan debt, we're definitely not. Mm. Um, but if it's for everything else, most likely we might be. But the fact of the matter is uh, we do have this State of the Union address tonight coming from Joe Biden. And, you know, you, you can always find the root causes of the problems and things if you really want to put in the work and effort to get there. White rage? Well, I told you we're going to talk about the border <laughs> crisis here and getting kicked off later in the show. But when you talk about this administration, equity and virtue hires mm. have to do with a large majority of all the problems that our country is engulfed in right now. And and whether you, or not you want to actually admit that, uh, you know, you just go back and look at some of the facts when you when you talk to some of our strategic planning and defense structure that's set up there. You have General Milley and Secretary Austin, two people who are beyond unqualified for their jobs yeah. and were kind of forced into their positions after everybody else either quit or got fired uh, by a big part of the establishment. And they've been such as, you know, since the the times that they've took office. And, and the fact of the matter is here is that we really need to look in some of the other ones as well. Obviously, Mayor Pete, who, who's the transportation secretary, you can pretty much make a strong argument based off of his resume. And, and since, you know, the left always wants to talk about resumes with things like George Santos, Aside from the fact that that he's a homosexual, there's no other qualification that Mayor Pete brought to the table to be the transportation secretary of the United States. Noah, what do you think about that? I mean, he, he lied about his own transportation. That's, <laughs> that's true. And, you know, as Congressman Santos is going to be making his appearance on Steak for Breakfast in a very short period of time here in the next few episodes, well, we could talk to him about, you know, the double standards like that. But the fact of the matter is, is, is when you start to look at it, there was the person who was in charge of nuclear waste. It seemed like they had a... Let's see. A penchant for designer luggage? Other people's designer luggage. Yeah. Uh, you have several members of our military who uh, dress up, and I know Noah always hits this point in, in dog drag. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's frightening. Furry I mean, appreciators? It's not frightening our enemies, but it is frightening. That, that is true. Uh, you have the Assistant Secretary of, of Health and Human Services, who's a dude in a dress. Our, our first... Uh, the healthy, very healthy. Air quoting, female... Four-star admiral. <laughs> and then you have Kamala Harris, who who at the end of the day is such a hot mess. You have everyone from the Biden administration quietly separating from her and people like Hillary Clinton, um, you know, more overtly saying, as she did recently, that she doesn't think she has it to make it in a general election race of her own. It being anything? Two fucking brain cells to rub together? Listen, the space between us is also the space a between those brain cells brings us together. Uh, Tucker Carlson weighed in on the Joe Biden regime and the fact that they are virtue single ink. And uh, I thought it was a good lead in to, you know, as we're going to be talking about State of the Union here and, and, and a lot of the mis, dis and malinformation we commonly get from them. Well, I just, thought you meant the mis, dis and malinformation that we present every episode. You know, it's it's weird. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm going to actually say it so we'll get it now. But on Spotify, we always get a COVID-19 thing and we never talk about COVID. Mm. So someone's hating on us big time. But hold on. Let me make sure we get it vaccines there you go well i mean we, we also talked about when we were touching on the kids figuratively just a few seconds ago let's hear tucker carlson now, the point of diversity equity and inclusion as you often heard is to wind up with a leadership class that quote looks like america now we think you should hire on the basis of merit but that's kind of an appealing idea the people who run the country should look like the country <laughs> that's not what it's about at all because no administration has ever looked less like America just by the numbers 
than the Biden administration. It's not about making the administration look like Americans, but discriminated against certain classes of people who don't vote for them, period. And now it's provable. Jeremy Carl at the Claremont Institute just ran the numbers, and this is in the ju judiciary. He found that out of 97 federal judges confirmed under Joe Biden, total number of white men, five. 22 are black women. So this is race-based hiring. It's illegal, but it's also not about looking like America. It's about punishing people. And it's also incidentally, or maybe not incidentally, producing nominees for federal judgeships who know nothing about the Constitution, yep. like this person. Judge on the far end. <laughs> Senator Kennedy. Uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution oh, does. This is painful. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Oh. <laughs> so she doesn't know what's in the Constitution, but she's going to be a federal judge whose job it is to interpret the law against the Constitution. Okay. Gotta love it. I mean, this is, uh, like he said, we are we are essentially getting punished uh, to present wokeism as the people who run... And, you know, I don't want to keep hammering on Mayor Pete here, but he's been one of the uh, exclusively awful ones of the entire regime here. There were two no more near misses at the airport. Uh, and I know this falls back on, on the FFA between two different planes, almost crashing into each other on the runway and for takeoff. And that's that's not supposed to happen. Well, I'm, when when you're only hiring transgender, non-binary people that dress up like furries as like your only qualifications to be, you know, working in the, uh, in the oh, and they're not allowed to use math anymore too to like do the, the job in the flight tower. It's pretty funny. Someone, someone commented on, on one of our tweets yesterday and, and they used like a math analogy. And I said, you do know math is racist. Yeah. But, uh, well, when you say that the people in the administration need to represent the American public, they, it, it's funny because I was driving the other day, and I actually saw somebody who I legit thought was a member of the administration. I forget what, what the pale, uh, transgendered, who who is she? I can't remember. Uh, but basically, this person I saw her in the middle of the road, or him, or whatever it it in the middle of the road, and somebody was waiting to turn. They had their blinker on, and rather than just get out of the way and let this person turn. They decided that they were going to stand in front of the car and film them mm. while flipping their hair and acting extra. Was it their like pink or blue wig or actual hair? I think it was their actual hair because it was like gray and so probably unkempt. Yeah, actual hair. It, it was frightening, but it reminded me a lot of this administration. And I'm like, but that that's who they're catering to. They're catering to these people who live in this microcosm of society that think that that's normal behavior. Like, oh. You're 10 feet away from me with the car and you're trying to turn. I'm just going to stand here and film you and power trip over you. It's just ridiculous. Just like the government's power tripping over us. Yeah, and the mainstream media, legacy media, they're just as complicit. I mean, we're hitting on Mayor Pete a little harder than we usually do on, on Steak for Breakfast because we don't care about the job that he does or lack thereof. But he sat down with uh, Lion Chuck Todd this weekend on Meet the Fake Press. And, and he kind of, Chuck Todd posed the question, like, why don't people, why don't we... How are Americans not understanding how awesome Joe Biden is? Let's hear uh, Mayor Pete's answer. <laughs> um, let's go to the president's State of the Union. Um, look, he's got a lot of things to tell. Why do you think that it has not penetrated the American public? 
Well, if these things oh, don't sell themselves, then it's one of the reasons <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that, that State of the Union address. Uh, I will say that there have been so many accomplishments under this administration, it can be difficult to list them in a distilled way. <laughs> Recently, uh, the President hosted a send-off for Ron Klain, the departing mm -hmm. Chief of Staff. Tearful and he put it in a way that, that I thought was especially moving when you think back in historic terms to what it means to inherit one of the toughest situations faced by any president since FDR, pass the most significant uh, legislation uh, on our economy in many ways since FDR, while facing the largest land war uh, in Europe since Truman, <laughs> achieving the uh, second most important health care bill since LBJ and the most important infrastructure bill Good since Lord. Eisenhower, as, as Ron put it. And that was just the beginning of the list of accomplishments. Oh, uh, oh. But one of the things that, that we found is that uh, you know th this is happening simultaneously with some of the toughest circumstances ever. We recognize that. And there continue to be uh, a lot of issues that Americans are facing every day, even as we see extraordinary economic news. Uh, 500,000 jobs just created in the last month. Well, that's month. the thing. None of it seems to accrue to his benefit. Well, people say Politically. that, but then, uh, you know, this president yeah. has exceeded expectations again and again politically yeah. and functionally in terms of what we're getting done. Mental functionally? Good Lord. Asshole. I, I do want to remind everybody that workforce participation right now is, I believe, at 62 or 63, maybe even 64 percent. I heard Matt Gates uh, cited on Firebrand the other day when in, during the Trump administration, workforce participation was in the 70s. So that right there is a blatant lie. I don't care how many jobs they, they claim to manufacture over the course of every time they put out the jobs number. Well, it, the fucking jobs. There's people who didn't have to work before that now have to work. Yeah. Like they were saying that the, the female workforce is, is, is skyrocketing. Yeah, because there's a lot of stay-at-home moms that aren't allowed to be stay-at-home moms anymore. Taking multiple jobs uh, sometimes as well. In addition to that, uh, earned wages are down, you know, considerably than over the course of, of the Trump administration. I just want to remind everybody, I've floated this number out to every kind of economic expert that's come on our show. And when I say, is it accurate that there are between 9 and 11 million people not participating in the workforce, they they are all in pretty much agreement that somewhere in between those two numbers is the accurate one. So they could say whatever they want. Best jobs in the history of jobs put out that bar graph that has like Joe Biden building a size skyscraper with his jobs and then Donald Trump's like through the basement. It's, it's just not the fact of the matter. Such so a disingenuous lie. Biden economic advisor Brian Deese took the podium with uh, KJP at the White House press pool yesterday to talk about this and how awesome Americans are doing. Let's hear him. Brian Deese nuts. Said is actually consistent. So about two thirds of Americans say that their uh, their circumstances are better than uh, uh, where than before. <laughs> say it either way. Um, uh, and I think that uh, that it is the case that if you look at the kind of key measures of. Um, basic economic security. Uh, do I have health insurance? Do I have $400 in the bank um, in case my car breaks down That's or I have another number, emergency $400, expense? Only $400. Am I um, late or delinquent on a credit card bill? Am I facing foreclosure? If you look at all of those measures, they, um, on average, American households are in a better position than they were before the pandemic hit. Uh, and that's true for the mind. lower income uh, uh, quartiles uh, as well. What a fucking liar. It goes beyond that. The fact of the matter is I've, I've kind of seen the script and how it's evolved over the course of the last couple of years. They're essentially just reading the numbers backwards. Yeah. They're just flipping the numbers. Like if they say two thirds of Americans feel like they're, well, here's the thing. You can't have CBS, 
MSDNC, fake news CNN, all saying that like anywhere between 65 and 70 something percent of the country think it's going in the wrong direction on everything, including the economy, and then saying two thirds of Americans are better off than they were during the uh, final years of the Trump administration when it comes to money in the bank, because apparently $400 is a big deal, Jack. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes it. Except, you know, except maybe this guy. Well, he is their uh, top economic advisor and another virtue hire there as well. Um, we, you know, ahead of the State of the Union, we're, we're going to see the rebuttals. And now I've been able to confirm uh, today that Donald Trump's going to be putting out a rebuttal in addition to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the newly elected governor of Arkansas as well. But. Kevin McCarthy got out ahead of this yesterday, too, uh, because the debt ceiling is something that Joe Biden's probably going to hit on and scorn Republicans on. So as we're getting ready to close out the cold open today, let's hear him talk about how his first meeting with Joe Biden went down. And as we're getting ready to continue uh, taking a look into Joe Biden's State of the Union address tonight, how Republicans are looking to hit the ground running Wednesday morning. Most of all, no blank checks for runaway spending. Just sensible responsible solutions to our growing national debt. Now here are mine. First, we will continue to sit down and negotiate, just as President Biden did in the past. Second, we must commit to finding common ground on a responsible debt limit increase. Finding compromise is exactly how governing in America is supposed to work and exactly what the American people voted for just three months ago. Third, we must move towards a balanced budget and insist on genuine accountability for every dollar we spend. Future generations deserve nothing less. A responsible debt limit increase that begins to eliminate wasteful Washington spending and puts us on a path towards a balanced budget is not only the right place to start, it's the only place to start. My fellow Americans, I cannot stand still in the face of a growing national debt and diminishing economic opportunities. My colleagues and I in Congress were elected at this moment in time to restore your voice in Washington and to deliver the bright future you want, need, and deserve, not only for you, before your children and their children. We will not let you down. Mr. President, congressional Republicans are ready to act, to save our country and to make America stronger. I hope you will join us. And the fact of the matter is here, Kevin McCarthy needs to get out of get out ahead of this before the State of the Union because Joe Biden is going to tout how he's knocked trillions off of the national debt, how he's done all these things to, you know, uh, eliminate wasteful spending and then talk about how possibly scorn Republicans and say that they just don't have a plan or they haven't presented a plan when, you know, Kevin McCarthy's already uh, committed to not defaulting on the national debt. But the fact of the matter is he said on several occasions that both Republicans and Democrats are going to have to make some concessions here uh, where they haven't maybe necessarily had to historically. And that's why he's kind of getting out ahead of this, because where he puts out a statement like that, 
kind of outlining the situation and what needs to happen. And, and, and Joe Biden needs to come to the table actually willing to negotiate, not saying that, like, it was a good meeting, but Republicans don't have a plan, Th- that he needs to get ahead of, of you know, we're, we're going to hear a lot of inflated numbers and, and a lot of lies tonight at the State of the Union. And coming off the back end of this, the congressional investigations, especially in the Republican House, are going to be the ones that move to the precedent. But the one that's going to be the overlying, uh, well, undertone between now and June is going to be the battle to uh, correct this debt ceiling uh, issue. And, and, and as we move forward with that, we'll continue to, uh, you know, see what happens tonight and we'll be getting a full update and basically breakdown of the state of the union on our Friday edition of steak for breakfast. All right. Coming in here next on the program today, she's the national director of moms for Liberty. She's joining us for the first time. We can't wait to hear about all the good works that she's been involved in recently. Miss Catalina Stubbe, thanks for joining us on steak for breakfast. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. You know, it's pretty funny. I, I've been tracking you online for, for quite some time now, seeing a lot of the good works that you guys have been doing over there. But it, it seems like all the guests that we have come on the show, whether it's somebody like Matt Gates or some of the other pundits that, that are in conservative politics right now, especially the ones that, that fight for school choice, uh, Representative Kevin Kiley from, from California as well, they're either mentioning or sharing your works or you've appeared with them in, in some kind of event. So I'm sure our listenership is going to get uh, very excited when they hear that you've joined us today. And, and we want to exactly be able to unpack it the right way for everyone so they can kind of get a good feel of what you're doing and then how to support you. So why don't you let our listenerships know what the Moms for Liberty is and what your like uh, mission statement is. Yeah, sure. Thanks. So Moms for Liberty is a nonprofit organization across the nation and uh, that defend the parental rights, that defend uh, transparency in education. So basically, we are fighting indoctrination. We are fighting all the uh, Marxism ideologies. And we are trying to help accountable all the people, especially in the government, at all level of government that is messing around uh, the schools of our children. You know, a lot of parents woke up during the pandemic not just from the pandemic itself. I think one of the biggest things that parents started to realize was a lot of the stuff that was being pushed on their children in the classroom when they heard what was going on via remote learning. I think that's where this really started to snowball into such a major concern about how much actual, like like you said, Marxism and socialism trends were being pushed on kids, while at the same time they were either rewriting or trying to completely erase the actual history of the United States, how much of that contributed to the success you've have of bringing awareness to parents and, and how big of a portion of the fight is it now as you're looking to remove a lot of this garbage curriculum from the kids learning? Well, actually this, I took it personally because my children experience indoctrination under the guise of diversity, equity and inclusion, social, emotional and learning sex education, gender affirmation, social justice. Well, all all these nice sound titles are not more than a lie of Marxist ideologies. And we, the parents now, we are aware of what is going on. And that's why we took action, especially with Moms for Liberty. And we start uh, basically with the mask. Moms for Liberty has raised awareness across social and traditional media about the pornographic nature of so-called sexual education and the horif- horrifying sexual sexualization of children across the public school system 
the media and the popular culture, because it's everywhere. It's not only at schools. You can see it's in Disney, in Nickelodeon, in the music, in the in all the entertainment is everywhere. Yeah, we just saw that uh, Disney show that came out recently. Uh, the Proud Family did like a new season on Disney Plus, and it's being shared all over social media where the kids basically do a theatrical performance for their school in the program. And it just is like a five minute video on how every single thing this country was founded on was founded on the backs of slavery. And we all know that that's just not the case. Like, it is definitely a dark stain on the history of the United States, still a dark stain on, on a lot of places throughout the world. But when you just talk about like the fundamental uh, elements that this country was founded on, although that was a component of it, it was not the backbone for the founding of the United States. It's not while we fought the revolutionary and civil wars, uh, you know, in, in its entirety. Obviously, the North fought the, the civil war to, to stop slavery in the South, and there was a big pushback for that. But when you just talk about how it's been kind of you know, all lumped together. And then you have things like the 1619 project and, and critical race theory as they kind of try to rewrite and erase history as well. Uh, you know, we're reaching a point right now where it's either we win this battle or our kids won't understand the things that this uh, country was founded on. You know, you look on so many different places and in so many different ways, just like typical holidays throughout the United States. They, the, the, the federal government and, and the woke culture goes to kind of just a race the identity of the United States, the the, the founding founders and, and, and building pillars of the United States and just like rename holidays because they think uh, a name or, or what was going on with the United States was, you know, that's going to hurt somebody's feeling that you get a day off from work or your kids get a day off from school. Exactly. And uh, the most outraging part is that our tax dollars should not be used to teach our children to hate our country or to hate each other or to weaponize public institution against parents, because it happened to us. They, they call us domestic terrorists. Or to confuse and change the nature of our children, or to destroy our civilization. So the, the part is that philosophy, the philosophy of the education of our children today will tell you the philosophy of the government in the next generation. So that's why parents, it's so important, parental rights right now, and parents should decide over their children's education, health, and morals, and not a politician following a left radical agenda. And uh, however, the reality right now, it's that even if you try to save your children from this agenda because you are doing homeschooling or you are trying to change in another school, you will find that it's nearly impossible to choose your school. To It is not only difficult to obtain curriculum or quality information, but also a better school. It has already long waiting list because everyone is taking out uh, their children from the public system. But now you find like a, a traffic jam in, in, in all the good schools. The system will keep you trapped and you are stuck. And unfortunately, you are stuck in a system that continues to decline. And the quality of education driven by the government knows better mindset. 
No, it's the truth. I mean, I've seen some of the, just with my kids who go to charter school, I don't always love all the stuff, you know, that they've got going on per their curriculum. But the fact of the matter is when I see some of the stuff that's getting pushed and, and how much of it, whether it be sexual education or, or history that's just inaccurate or they just tend to leave parts out of it, 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 it's such a huge, you know, thing. And then there, I know for a fact at my kid's school, there is a massive uh, waiting line. I've had people ask me about, you know, what my kid's school is all about. And I, I've talked to, to them and, and suggested that they go and try and, and get in there. And they said there's like two, three year waiting lists. So I'm very fortunate that my kids were able to get into school that's not as woke as everybody else's. But the fact of the matter is, it's like you said, there's a lot of facts there. There's roadblocks. If you can't find the great curriculum, or America-based curriculum that's going to be accepted at the educational levels they need to proficiently move on while you're doing homeschooling. If you try to get into a private or a charter school, you might run into some roadblocks, which could wait, you know, have you waiting years to even get in there. Catalina, what's some of the bit? What's the biggest fight you guys are doing right now? Whether whether it be messaging or even in court that you guys are working on that you need to, you know, get over to uh, continue to make uh, Moms for Liberty a success right now. Well, I think misinformation and uh, when people just manipulate our information, for example, when the left, uh, they are saying that we are banning books and uh, we are, um, you know, we are pushing through through the path where, where all the books were burning. And and this, the, the, the thing is, we are not banning books, not even that. We are, we're just explaining that we are pushing books out of the classes that are explicit, pornographic. But if you want to just look at these books, you're free to look at uh, these books in the public library, or you can you can even uh, buy it in, in, in your personal way. But why, imagine in your office, right? I'm talking to any businessman or any person in an office. Would you have uh, a pornographic uh, magazine or pornographic books in, in your bookshelf? No, normally, I mean, normally no, because it's not the environment, it, it, it's, it's not appropriate. It, 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 why is appropriate to, to have those books that they're very pornographic in the class of your children, young as 10 year old, young as even depending on the book the, we can find even in elementary schools and in middle schools, but they are very explicit. And um, so how it's possible that we are, we are uh, talking about uh, sexual harassment. If you talk to a colleague in your office about, uh, about, you know your Jenny dolls, or or whatever your gender, or whatever your your you your fantasies are. But in a classroom, it's not. It's not an harassment, sexual harassment for your children. If if a teacher starts talking about his in intimacy, freedom from indoctrination is essential for the education of a good citizen. Education is freedom. Education is the uplifting of the human soul of the glorious light of truth. This means putting uh, parents and students, no bureaucrats or teaching unions or politicians in charge of the education of our nation next generation. So we, we also must challenge progressive policies by standing against curriculum that includes patently dishonest and activist-driven information about the U.S. and our 
founding. That is the main point right there. And it's like I always said, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you are, but I remember growing up, we had social sciences and, and history as two different classes. And we learned all about, you know, how the oh. world politics and how the government was founded all the way up through, you know, just modern government. And we were all into elections and stuff like that when I was coming up through the educational system. And just for, for when you look at how night and day it is, it's it's way more. And I understand science and technology and health awareness and all the other stuff is big, important things that kids should be learning about now. But if, if you're not learning about why you get to go to school, why you get to go and, and get an education, why a lot of kids in other countries aren't allowed to do that, then, then you're going to miss the message and, and you're just going to grow up wrong in the United States. Catalina, what, what can our listenership do? I'm, there's a lot of mama bears in, the, in this audience right now. And people, if they're not parents, I'm sure they have little brothers or sisters who might, you know, be in school and they're going through some of this. What can they do to find you guys? Where can they support you? And uh, what can our listenership do to get involved? Well, thank you. Um, MomsForLiberty.org. So go to the website, MomsForLiberty.org, and you can support us. You can join a chapter in your county. And if your county doesn't have any chapter, you can become a leader. We're going to help you. We're going to give you all the tools, all, all do you need, the, the training and everything to, to save the children in your community. We need to work this together. It's not because Moms for Liberty is doing uh, great stuff and, and, and fighting hard that you have to sit back in, behind your, your, your phone and just wait because it's, we really need that. We really need uh, everyone getting involved into this fight. We can, even grandmas, even grandparents, we need everyone to, to be involved and it's not only join the PTA or it's not only uh, emailing with the teacher of your children. We really need real involvement behind the, 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 the system. Go to even for, for at least for one going to uh, uh, one school board uh, meeting. Uh, know who is the representative in your district uh, in, in, the, in the school board. And if you are not agree, go and tell them why you are not agreeing with, with, with that. But uh, your kids have been indoctrinated for more than a decade. Don't blame on your kids. Talk to your children. It's very important for that. No, it certainly is. We'll live link the organization in the show description today. Where could we find you on social media? Same thing, Moms for Liberty, but use the number four, Moms for Liberty. And um, we we are in mainly all platforms, social uh, social media. And personally, if you have uh, someone who speaks Spanish and understand uh, most of this or want to talk just simply in Spanish, I'm here to help. Kata Stube. I am in also Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I'm here to help parents, to guide them, to empower them. And uh, we need everyone uh, in this in this fight. Also, we have coming up soon in 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 the in the summer. Uh, our second annual submit and it's going it's going to be amazing it's going to be in philadelphia um and inviting every parents grandparents aunts or whatever you are worried about or concerned about our future to visit our website momsforliberty.org 
What an awesome event that's going to be, taking the fight to bring real education back to students into one of the hearts of of our histories, you know, most historically important cities. I love it. Catalina, you're doing the Lord's work out there. We've got everything linked in the show description today. We'll be looking forward to uh, having you back on the show again soon to talk about your continuing fight, maybe after the National Summit to kind of give our listenership an update. And uh, we want to just tell you thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. This is the National Director Moms for Liberty, Catalina Stubbe, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per 2 ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you'd like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. Safe on the balloon. I order the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who did it, and we'll have more to report on this uh, a little later. Thank you. Mr. President, what did you say about China? What's your message to China? You were saying the recommendation from your was from your national security. I told them to shoot it down. On Wednesday. On Wednesday. But the recommendation They from said the to me, let's wait till the safest place to do it. Oh. What does this mean for China, relations with China? All right. ...have the same agenda. Okay? So Republicans are, in, are stuck. They can't govern. They can't agree on anything. I, instead, they're focused on political theater. They don't do any, they're not trying to do anything real. And we hope they won't continue to do this on something as important as the surveillance balloon. China, China sent that surveillance balloon over. The, the Biden administration was calm, calculated, and effective. According to, they listened to the military experts, they listened to the intelligence experts, and they did the right thing. But Republicans, even before they saw and knew what was happening, started, some of them, not all, lambasting the president. Those criticisms were at best premature and in all probability highly political. This is one area where we don't need politics. So we need Democrats and Republicans to come together. We need the country to come together to condemn China for what it did. Well, wait, hold on a sec. You mean that's not what they were doing about everything? Listen. National security is not a place where we need to be playing politics. <laughs> that was uh, the 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden, talking about how he was overruled in his decision to want to shoot down the spy loon from China that made its way, uh, I believe, from the 28th of January through the through the course of the country coming in over Alaska, making a brief trip over Canada before coming in over Montana where we have some of our nuclear missile silos before crisscrossing the United States and exiting over the Atlantic Ocean out by the Carolinas, and, and then it was shot down. So, And now they're trying to find it because you know, they're retrieving pieces of it. 
Now, so no, it'd probably be easier to find it if you had done it in a field in Montana where there was nothing else around. Just it, saying. It is a very vast land with a whole lot of I mean, if Batman it. can get like eight balloons <laughs> with the bat plane. Are we there? Couldn't, no, but like, couldn't they have just like grabbed it with like a helicopter or something like that? Like shot a line to it and something. I don't think so because of the altitude that it was traveling at, which is, I think, uh, close to double of what a normal oh, yeah. passenger jet would be, 60,000 feet. Uh, I believe it's where it was, but... Yeah, but poke a couple holes in it, you know. Like, sh- shooting it with a rocket seemed a little bit overkill. Listen, I don't think ever any president of the United States should come out and say that people like General Milley and Secretary Austin... Didn't do what I told them to do? Yeah, overruled him in a decision to shoot it down. And then when you have Chuck Schumer saying that, you know, any kind of questioning into this is, well, adherently racist Mm. and not a place to play politics in is just, to me, weird. Um, How was the Biden administration going to spin this? There was definitely a a web to spin here, and you knew they were going to figure out pretty much the uh, easiest route out. I I don't know if if you heard this. Um, They decided to blame Donald Trump for the spy balloon. Well, why wouldn't they? That's what they, that's what they always do. By announcing over the course of his presidency, there were, and I'm quoting now, two or three incidents involving spy balloons from China that were over the United States. Which has been completely debunked. Pretty much. And and, and if it's not debunked, what that means is people within the military agencies and, and, and advisors to the president were lying to him over the course of his presidency or withholding information from him. Let's hear Chuck Todd ask uh, Rep. Mike Turner about it or three incidents in the previous administration as well. Well, that's what they're saying now. But I think that, that the administration needs to come forward because this is not an ability to, to um, say that this is a, a crisis that was handed to them. This is a crisis that has developed as a result of this president during his administration, yes. allowing China to do a similar mm-hmm. act before, not responding, and then clearly in this one, not seeing the urgency of what was unfolding. I mean, the president allowed this to go across our most sensitive sites and wasn't even going to tell the American public. If you hadn't broken this story, Mm -hmm. uh, the American public would not have even known. There was no attempt to notify Congress, no attempt to put uh, together the Gang of Eight. Uh, I think this administration lacks urgency. And and that's that's a really good point there. Two of them that, that Rep. Turner made. The first one was, okay, now that this Chinese spy balloon made it across the United States and was shot down. The optics on it were completely terrible, and it looks like the only reason it became a thing is because people on TikTok started dancing under it and making videos of it. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, it's like when, you know, and we've talked about it in extent on this show before, when you get in trouble at work and you get called into the supervisor or the manager's office and they sit you down and they explain to you what rule you might have violated or policy you didn't adhere to, right? And the first thing you start doing in your defense is pointing out... The other guy did it three yeah, times. So many other people have done stuff like this before. That's neither here nor there. We're talking about you now. We're talking about the Biden administration and what happened from January 28th throughout the course of this weekend. Well, when you look at a national security aspect of it, like allowing something that we don't know what it is, we don't know what kind of payload it has, to transit the United States or even get past our international waters or, or the border of Canada from wherever it floated in from. Like, who knows what that could have been? It could have been, you know, as something as diabolical as, you know, I made the, the Joker balloons movie references, like spraying something out of it. Or even worse, if you look at 
they, what would happen to our our electrical grid if we had an EMP that would take everything out? Like that would be pretty bad. Like, how, what if they send like three or four more balloons, and we don't do anything about it because we can't shoot them down over the United States, which is basically what we've told them now. Like, well, we're just you know we'll wait for it to get back over the water. They wait till they get into uh, very very sensitive areas and pop pop pop, set off a few uh, EMPs or low level nukes, and boom. What what if uh, they don't come in? over such remote areas as Montana. Those are good points you make there, Noah. You know, I talked with Raheem Kassam about this over the weekend after I saw him appear on a couple podcasts, and it's great because directly following this segment, he's going to be coming in to weigh in on this and everything else that we're talking about on the show today. But the fact of the matter is we didn't know if there was an explosive payload inside of this balloon? Could there be uh, a tactical nuke attached to this balloon? And then with our already weakened and stressed out power grids, the very dated ones we have in the United States, if it was uh, a precursor to any kind of possible EMP attack, we could just be setting ourselves up for, for you well, know... It would be the, the, the most easy overturning of a country possible because we would tear ourselves to bits within a month without power. Month? Weeks. I'm being nice. I remember when it was San Diego three days, people were like... Oh, that was amazing. Looked like, you know, outtakes from The Last of Us. Yeah. Former Trump uh, Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, was on with Maria Sunday talking about this. We're going to hear from him and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And the Biden administration is trying to minimize this explosive situation uh, in this past week. And the Department of Defense is claiming that uh, there were three balloons, Chinese spy balloons that entered the United States airspace during the Trump administration and that they were not shot down and they were not disclosed. Can you please tell us the truth and if that's true? Well, it's not true. I can I can refute it. Um, uh, Former Secretary of Defense uh, Mark Esper refuted it yesterday. Former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo has refuted it. But, Maria, the American people can refute it for themselves. Um, uh, Do you remember during the Trump administration when uh, photographers on the ground and commercial airline pilots were talking about a spy balloon over the United States uh, that people could look up and see even with the the naked eye and that a media that hated Donald Trump wasn't reporting? I don't remember that either because it didn't happen. As I said to you earlier, This was unprecedented. We have never had a circumstance where an adversary has had spy craft over our country, our continental United States, posing a threat for the better part of a week straight. And and that's why I said to you before, the not only is it unprecedented, but the damage from this is incalculable, both from um, an intelligence standpoint and the possible payloads. You talked a little bit earlier about the different types of payloads that a stratospheric balloon could carry. Um, those possibilities are, are, are limited only by your imagination. Um, but what we do know is none of those are possible to be deployed against the United States if a stratospheric balloon isn't allowed to traipse across our countryside for four straight days, something that has never you know, and, and, you know, he kind of d- says the same thing we're talking about here. We can never tell just from the onset what the payload might be. It might not be the safest to try to take this thing out over a major populated area like a city or even like, you know, the, the suburbs or stuff like that. But just the optics of it just don't look good. And, and, and you know, trying to manufacture, uh, I guess, what would you call it? past crises Mm. that didn't happen uh when you weren't 
you know, forthright with the United States and, and its citizens like the Biden administration does. And I, I think that's the big tell here is that people are frustrated that the administration w- was trying to be very secretive about this. And, uh, you know, instead of accepting responsibility and saying, like, listen, this is a major national security threat. Well, we don't want anybody to get worried, but we're definitely looking into it. However, you know, we can't just go out and uh, blow this thing out of the sky. Instead, like I said, uh, you know, content creators on Instagram and TikTok made the balloon famous before the Biden regime was forthcoming about it. Isn't the best way to disclose to the American people that are national security and possibly even safety is being compromised by something we don't know too much about. DNI Ratcliffe alluded to it and Mike Pompeo hitted the uh, same note home. Let's hear him as he appeared on Fox News yesterday. It's um, it's confounding to me, Martha. Uh, I, I can speak for myself. I, I certainly never became aware that there was a a, a three-bus-sized floating device coming across our country for five days, either CI director or secretary of state. I've talked to others who are on my teams. They don't know anything about it either. I'm, I'm anxious to hear how this ends, but we've seen Ambassador Bolton, Ambassador O'Brien, two secretaries of defense, all say they didn't know about it. So I'm, I'm completely confounded about what they're speaking about. And frankly, it looks like an effort to deflect from what was a disastrous handful of days. And, and there's, there's the there there. The fact of the matter is we need to understand that uh, when when you talk about some of these clips that we're listening to, these aren't the biggest fans of Donald Trump. I mean, DNI Ratcliffe is, still has a pretty good relationship with the 45th president, but I don't think there's any love loss between Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo, even now as Mike Pompeo is considering a, a run for the presidency in the 2024 election. In addition, you already have, well, technically already announced candidate, real-life Ned Flanders, John <laughs> Bolton, saying that, you know, this is news to me because uh, I didn't hear about anything like this. No, what do you think as our national security expert on the show, is there a possibility? Let's just say, let's play this from all angles. Could have places like the DOD have gotten eyes on this thing during the course of the Trump administration. And could you have had people that worked there not be forthcoming with the president when, uh, you know, talking about it? Well, we were talking about Milley going behind the president's back and actually contacting China. So, but he needed to warn them that there might be a nuclear attack. Yeah, but I mean, that would be a egregious breach of protocol hmm. to not let the president know that there was an incursion over the United States airspace, unless it was UFOs, because they don't tell them about UFOs. So, <laughs> what you what you're saying is we can't take it outside the realms of possibility because the same egregious acts apparently happened, and Joe Biden was actually honest about that, saying that Million Austin overrode his decision to uh, blow it up over Montana. Yeah, the the not blowing it up immediately or just as soon as it encroached on our airspace was and there's nothing up there. Sign of weakness, big time. Yeah. I mean not that there's nothing up there cuz I would eventually probably like to live up there someday because of the nothing, but there's nothing. There's a lot of nothing to land on. One thing I missed, I don't know if you caught it over the weekend. Did anybody find out before we blew it up what the Chinese spyloon's pronouns were? Oh, it was uh going down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure General Milley was definitely uh, worried about that. KGP was hammered in the press pool on it yesterday. Well, the uh, balloon was white, so. With multiple questions. How dare you? Uh, let's hear her deflect in only ways that she knows how. 
We are prepared, uh, the Intelligence Committee is indeed prepared to uh, uh, to offer key officials, as you were just laying out, uh, the tr from the Trump administration to on the briefings on this PRC surveillance program. Uh, and so don't have, we're not going to get into the, who are those key officials. Uh, yeah. From here, I would refer you to the Intelligence uh, Community on those logistics or when it's Always going to happen and uh, who, who those key officials are would be. But again, we are, we are prepared, we are willing uh, to have that conversation to do uh, the briefing, but just not going to, to get into the specifics of, of who. Wait, wait. Did she just say that she's not sure who the specific officials would be, but we'd like to refer you to those specific officials? If the specific <laughs> officials are to be briefed on something which may or may not be true. That's would, literally what she said. I would like to refer you regarding this question to a nebulous group of people that I have no idea who they are, nor do they know who they are. To give you... To give you the answers to the uh, question I don't want to answer. Or don't know if it is necessarily true. Mm -hmm. It was the same spin coming out of the uh, Department of State yesterday and the Department of Defense. I saw, you know, Ned Price, probably one of the most wedgeable, mm. stuff him in a locker and take his lunch money looking people in the Biden administration, and there are a lot of them. That says a lot. Yeah, like Anthony Blinken. Uh, you know, Will came out and, and talked about how mad... We should be at China. Your reaction to critics saying that the United States overreacted due to domestic political pressure since this incident happened, a uh, similar incident happened before, and given the fact Secretary Blinken is going to be the first secretary to visit China in two, four years and maybe meet, uh, potentially meet uh, President Xi Jinping. We had an opportunity. We had uh, what would have been a valuable opportunity to engage in that face-to-face -face diplomacy. It was to have been a, a near-term diplomacy. Of course, uh, the blame does not fall to us yeah. for undermining that opportunity. Uh, it falls to the PRC uh, for engaging what was uh, in what was ultimately uh, an inappropriate, irresponsible, or unacceptable act. We've acted uh, with responsibly. Uh, we've acted practically. We've acted prudently. Uh, in this case, but also uh, in the broader context of the bilateral relationship. We think it's important that we have these lines of communication so that we can uh, make very clear to the PRC what we're doing and why we're doing it. Uh, unfortunately, they decided uh, to undertake this action in the days leading up to Secretary Blinken's travel. Uh, that completely undermined uh, the point of the trip. Uh, and uh, left us with, uh, unfortunately, no option. Uh, but to and you know, the, the big thing here, and it's something, uh, if you if you want to just look at it from another angle, the Blinken trip to, with, to meet with China's delegation of high-ranking officials was canceled. A lot of people are speculating that the stuff with the balloon wasn't disclosed to the American public because they knew that high-level meeting was about to be happening. But I also talked about some stuff over the weekend uh, after listening to a whole bunch of podcasts and, and you know, checking out the news and, and kind of doing a little research here, put out a new Substack that talks about, you know, the two biggest problems we're, we're dealing with with this administration uh, on a geopolitical level right now are Russia and China. One is self-induced and the other one has always been manifesting itself, but now we're allowing it to get out of control. The fact of the matter is, and real quick, if you want to spin this into what is China looking for? We all know they're looking to make a play for Taiwan sometime, sometime between now and 2025. I mean, our, our State Department, our Department of Defense has pretty much, you know, allowed the American people to, 
you know, think about the prospectus of going to war with China. And it just seems to me, when you look at the Ukraine situation and how this is all spun into it, here's what I'm thinking. China right now, right, is not adhering to international sanctions due, uh, that were put on Russia. The really bad ones, the mm-hmm. ones that, you know, number one, say we're mad at them. Uh, we kicked them out of the SWIFT system, so they started a new one with some of their, you know, collaborative uh, associates and allies throughout the world, like Iran, Turkey, and stuff like that. China is providing logistical, military intelligence to Russia in their fight for Ukraine. At the same time, China is moving in on Zelensky and saying, whatever we help blow up, we'll rebuild at a reasonable interest rate after this conflict is over. Brought to you by BlackRock. Exactly. Brought to you by Vanguard. <laughs> and, and the thing is, we're letting China continue to continue to game us to the point where aren't we getting just absolutely owned by them <laughs> to almost a point to where this administration has virtue singled and equity hired to the point where you almost don't think that they don't want America to lead from the front anymore. Like they could say America's back. They could say America's in charge again and the adults are in the room and all this stuff is happening. But when you look at China, they have complete disregard for everything we have going on right now. Trade, our currency, our strategic allies. You know, Turkey's providing military and logistical uh, equipment and, and, and things of that nature to Russia in its fight against Ukraine as well. And Turkey and the UAE have been two other countries that just said, you want to know what? Wait, Turkey's given what? Um, military aid and logistical equipment to uh, Russia. To and Russia. So is UAE, who's another one of our strategic allies. They're just like, we're not adhering to these sanctions. We think they're stupid. We think instead of you guys doing something, you're taking, you're repossessing oligarchs' yachts in third world countries, and it's not really doing anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not wrong. I mean, if the United States wanted to get serious about what's going on with China right now and how they're meddling in the war in Ukraine and everything else that's encompassing all the problems geopolitically for the United States, TikTok would be banned across the board. That would be number one. Huge, huge loss for them. In addition, sanctions would be real. You know what? We're not going to... Tariffs and taxes are back on anything you do with Russia because you're not adhering to the sanctions that we're trying to imply in them to make them stop this military operation, the special operation in Ukraine. And uh, it's good that we've got Raheem Kassam coming up in a minute now because, you know, he, he did a deep dive on this over the weekend and, and he's looking to uh, expand it a little bit more in addition to talk to the uh, State of the Union on us. But check out our latest Substack. You just hit the link tree in our show and, and it'll take you there. And uh, you can also subscribe to that and you get a weekly newsletter from us, which recaps all the shows which you may have missed, talks about everything that's going on with the show. And in addition to that, you know, we'll get you all caught up in things, steak for breakfast. So I saw Papa Bannon yesterday was going in hard. Uh, the Hopium Express was a chugging. But he did make an excellent point in saying that, like, when you talk about all the stuff that's going on, you want to talk about all the lies that Joe Biden's going to talk about in the State of the Union. You want to talk about the optics and what really went down with this whole balloon thing and how they're all going to try to eventually tie it to Donald Trump to continue to delegitimize his reelection campaign. We need to be aware and we need to be ready. Let's hear him. Trump didn't need to do this. Look, they got this other crazy guy up there, this other DA guy that after Trump in every different angle. Remember, they're coming at him every different way. You have no earthly idea how much they're coming at Trump. It's insane. Why? They understand Trump represents you. 
represents the deplorables, represents MAGA, stands for making America great again. You heard Joe Scorber right there in a complete meltdown. <laughs> move to Russia. Move to Russia. No, we're saving this country from people like you that have sold it out to the elites of this nation. It's a disgrace. And yes, America is in managed decline, and we're turning that around, okay? And it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to wave a magic wand. It's going to take you decades to do that. You do understand that, right? Anybody that doesn't think that is just, just in, then stop whining, stop bitching, and just go play golf somewhere, right? This is a tough, this is tough work for tough people. That's what made this country, and that's what's going to save this country. And who's going to save this country is you. You. Regardless of your, your race, your gender, your, 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 your um, religion, American citizens dedicated to this constitutional republic and to make sure that we bequeath it, not some bankrupt um, entity with no sovereignty and no control and a tributary state to a murderous regime of criminals in Beijing that now now has criminals in, in Brazil and criminals in uh, in Tehran and Erdogan in Turkey and the KGB guys in Moscow. They've taken our natural allies. Our allies are the Chinese people, Lao Beijing, the Chinese people and the Russian people were our allies in World War II. Remember, we defeated the Imperial Japanese Army, the fascists in Italy, the Nazis, all of it. Not their leaders. Their leaders were the worst in the world between Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong and these guys that were terrible, awful. And the Soviets were awful and subjugated those people to, to, to brutality. It doesn't have to be like that going forward. It does not have to be like that. The, the deciding factor is you. It's always been the American people, right? As soon as they make up their mind, boom, it's done. It takes a while in the revolution, takes a while in the Civil War, takes a while in the Depression and World War II. It's not going to be easy. And this is, you know, that's probably one of the more honest statements he's made in a while because it, it is going to take a while. I, I just am not in agreement with Steve that we're on as the right track as possible. I think we're way off the rails and nowhere near Garen Becca. I think bringing awareness is probably the most responsible thing to do. But when you're talking about working towards comprehensive and, and legitimate solutions, like here's another one we don't ever hear about. No, India, South Korea, Japan, and Australia. Mm-hmm. Do those mean anything to you strategically? I mean, yes. <laughs> well, that's a large part of the delegation that would be in it up to their necks with China if there was ever an invasion of Taiwan. Do you ever hear this administration talking about in any way, shape, or form any kind of collaborative efforts, trade agreements, weapons deals, anything strategically? No, absolutely not. You want to include the Philippines in there. I mean, the only thing I've seen over the course of the last two years was Secretary Austin went over there twice, once as a Darth Vader impersonator, Mm. and then last week to check out the the digs on on whether or not we're going to need to use that as a strategic fueling uh, station if, if anything popped off with China and Taiwan. But the fact of the matter is, these people aren't in any of the equation with the Russia and Ukraine thing. And now when you talk about China, kind of, China should be isolating itself more and more, but we're just allowing it to get into everywhere. They've already taken over huge components of Africa in, in regards to the regentrification that they're doing there. They moved in all over Europe to do rebuilding stuff after, after the COVID pandemic. And, and now they're, they're doing, you know, blatantly chest puffing themselves at the United States as, as was the case with this spy balloon. So I'm pretty sure that we'll be allowed, be able to elaborate a little bit more on the Russia and Ukraine conflict, the state of the union and everything else that's going on right now with uh, one of our great friends. All right. Coming in now to talk about the state of the union address tonight and more 
as we've already conveniently teased, he's the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, one of our great friends. Excited to have him back, Mr. Raheem Kassam. Thanks for joining us on the show. You know, whenever I, um, whenever I sit down at my desk, as I'm doing right now, I immediately regret not putting my <laughs> AirPods on and walking around the house freely. Number one, because I could make cups of tea in the background, and I know how much you guys love the background <laughs> noise. Um, but number two, because I love to like walk around and gesticulate when I'm talking to you guys. Cause, cause you never, well, maybe you do try to, to talk over me and interject, but I never hear it. So I never stop. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, um, uh, I can't gesticulate when I'm just sitting at my desk, but here I am on, on Capitol Hill on the night of the state of the union. Isn't that something? Not every, not every Englishman gets to say it. Yeah. How are those walls coming along over there? <laughs> Yeah, they are. They've put the fences back up around the capital, you know, because nothing nothing says legitimate regime like constantly having to lock down your national legislative body every time the commander in chief wants to swing by. It definitely, definitely speaks to everything that your founders envisaged. You know, and to think that people would care about the Biden regime enough to go and uh you know, have protests against him delivering the State of the Union. It's just not what the current conservative base wastes their time on. They'd much rather wait to watch it on te- television and just make memes about it, as is probably going to be the case with some of our top-tier meme appreciators that we have on, on Steak for Breakfast. But Yeah, but wait, wait, wait. I mean, you know, you, you had um, – and this is a great place to start this conversation. You had this ABC Washington Post poll over the weekend which showed – you know, a, a, a distinct majority of this country that said that they would be dissatisfied or angry if Biden wanted to run for a second term and if he was the, the nominee for a second term. And I think, you know, it goes more to like, you know, further than, sorry, I should say, um, right wingers wanting to go to Capitol Hill to protest. I think it even goes further, a little bit further than than the far left, perhaps, wanting to to. Uh, make their voices heard on Capitol Hill against Biden during State of the Union. I, I happen to believe that there is now a distinct and more informed, um, you know, still a, still a minority of normies in this country, non-politically aware types who are starting to, to you know, fundamentally realize that what they've been told for years and years now are, are total and utter lies. And the big caveat to that is, and they may have to do something about it. You know, it's not enough to wake up. You know, once once you've woken up, you then have to get up. You know, you have to shove the blanket off you, dangle your legs off the bed, and use your core muscles to stand on your own two feet. And and that's that's different from just seeing things differently. It, it, it means doing something. And I think that's really what the fences are up for, by the way. I think the fences are up because it's it's not just, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote extreme elements in America now that are showing, you know, remember the wording of the WAPO poll, anger mm. about that. That's very different to, to dissatisfaction. It's very different to approval ratings to ask about people's anger about the incumbent running again. Now, when you have the whole weekend news cycle go around, and this is kind of a follow-up for you, Raheem, and you have 
CNN, State of the Union, you had Chuck Todd on MSNBC and and everybody else in between talking about these numbers that you just alluded to, how people mm-hmm. are, you know, the country's going in the wrong direction, overwhelming majority don't want Joe Biden to run for the re- re-election. But then in the exact next segment, they'll have Brian Deese, they'll have Mayor Pete come on their show, and they'll basically softball them questions on why people just don't understand or comprehend those numbers and how they're actually reversed because everybody loves Joe Biden. They like the job he's doing. They love the direction of the country, and they're richer and more successful than they are t- just two years ago. Where is the middle ground for that, or is there just not one? It's 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 regime media and, and the lies versus the actual numbers when these news outlets go and poll people, which probably is alarming and eye-opening to them, but at the same time what they have to report on. Well, in order to not answer the question, which I, I never usually do, <laughs> I, I sort of reframe it the way I want to answer it, right? Um See, I've already changed the subject. But um, in order to answer it the way I, 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 I want to infer what you're saying is I have to kind of break the fourth wall here a little bit with the audience. So the question I have for you is, is will this go out before the State of the Union or after the State of the Union? Before. Fine. So, so the framing of the answer is this. It's now the afternoon right ahead of the State of the Union when, when, when I am talking um, to the audience here. And I have just watched John Avlon on CNN talking about, uh, you know, Biden's chances for the for the, uh, a second term. And he he the, the, the wild amounts of disconnect here were were <sighs> baffling, I think, is, is perhaps the best word. There must be a better one. But baffling to me to the point where I delayed coming on this podcast because I wasn't done watching that segment. I needed to hear, you know, twice over, I rewound it and listened to CNN's senior political correspondent tell me and tell the audience that the reason Biden shouldn't run for a second term is that if he ends it now, he can go out on a high. (laughs) Isn't that a Seinfeld episode? Well, yeah. I mean, he can be George Costanza. But but think about what you have to believe to think that even though you're reading ABC and Washington Post polls talking about the anger that ordinary people would feel if Biden ran for a second term, because I know and you all know that John Avalon would have seen that Washington. He reads the Washington Post cover to cover. No doubt about it. Mm. I'm sure he would have seen the ABC poll. So he can't have not seen it. So think about what level of delusion you must have. Um, to approach that question. And he's got an op-ed, by the way, if anybody cares to go and look at it up on CNN.com. I did. Because I had to I had to understand, was he just was he just, you know, bluffing for the cameras ahead of the State of the Union? Or 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 has he, you know, fleshed these thoughts out? And he's very much fleshed them out. You know, he his he has opened his mouth and removed all doubt that he is an idiot, rather than closing it and allowing us to to pontificate whether or not he might be. Um and I, you know, and that is that is, I think, something that people have to understand about the political situation in this country and everything that you alluded to in your question, is we're on different planets here. You know, DC is on a completely different planet here. While the fences may be up, don't don't be under any misconception that they are celebrating in this city, this crime-ridden shithole. <laughs> they are celebrating in it. You couldn't you couldn't imagine. So what you're saying is, as far as the economy, maybe the debt ceiling, crime, and possibly the border, we can expect to hear little to no truth tonight when it comes to Joe Biden's Victory speech. laps. You can expect to hear victory laps. Mm. 
he will attempt to take victory laps on everything, victory laps that don't actually exist, achievements that have not been done. Look at that CNN op-ed. You know, Avalon cites things that are fundamentally retarded in the way that they, you know, uh, they lay a foundation for a case for a, a, a Biden going out on a high situation. He talks about, of course, you know, what do we always hear about? We hear about, oh, so many jobs have been added. It was an amazing feat for this man to have added seven trillion jobs to the U.S. economy. <laughs> you know, as if everybody's forgotten that the economy was shut down by the Biden advocates, adherents, loyalists, lobbyists, fan base, donor class. The corporate donations, the majority of which in this country went to the Democrats and to the Biden regime and apparatus. Come on now. That was a slow one. Um, We're fighting over it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like expect to hear nothing of reality tonight. You know, and there's been a lot of debunking when it comes to not only the job market and the participation rate, but the wages and, and the, the honest amount of money. Listen, according to the to the Biden administration, and, and, and we heard it uh, throughout the course of our, our cold open today, was was that $400 more than Americans are, are being able to keep in their bank account a month is, number one, a lot in this economy with this inflation and, and you know recession that we're in right now. And in addition to that, it's so much more prosperous than anything that happened during the course of the Trump administration, which is where I I want to segue next to you on right before you jumped in we just finished up our fallout from balloon gate if that makes enough sense to you not only the, the optics and and way the entirety of it went down but how when the biden regime felt cornered they do what they do best blame donald trump for it and, and say that not only did it happen under his watch it happened worse uh we'll be sitting down with the spokeswoman for the 45th president later in the show who will probably be able to give a more official statement on it regarding what happened during the trump administration and if there's any truths to that but I mean, you, you were providing commentary on this entirety of the incident throughout the course of the weekend and all of last week. What, what can you tell our listenership that maybe we're not hearing uh, when they turn on the nightly news? Well, um, I, 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 I'm not in disagreement, obviously, with, with the people who believe that the balloon should have been shut down when immediately, uh, you know, upon uh, immediate discovery. But I will say this. I think we've had some pretty pretty silly and 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 facetious takes of on it in the past week and 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 they're takes that i think actually um diminish our perceived respect for the for the audience out there as well the general public the people who are not political animals you know all day and all night um but I, I, you look at it like this they should have got it. They should have got rid of it when it wasn't in the country. They knew it was coming over. If they didn't know it was coming over, then that was an even bigger problem. Right. Once yeah. they detected it and it was over somebody somewhere that didn't have any real population, you know, whether it's the mountains or whatever, um, take it down over there. But the problem is, of course, is what we now know we're finding out about the payload, right? Which is, did it have explosives on board? Um, what kind of other things that they weren't picking up, but they were worried about when they when they war game these situations out? Should we be thinking of? And and I'm afraid, you know, just screaming as a lot of us did for the last week. Shoot down the balloon! Shoot down the balloon! actually probably serve to undermine our national security credentials amongst the general public. And, and, and that is the salient point to which the Biden regime is now playing. If the response from the right had been complex and thoughtful and, and 
you know, uh, like, is it, I don't know, maybe we needed a manifesto to shoot down the balloon or something. But but if we're more than just irate th- chest thumping, as, as I was guilty of, too, in the last week, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm saying all of this stuff as a criticism of all of us. Um, then I think they wouldn't have tried this, oh, it happened under Trump as well type deal. But now they've seen this kind of open uh, run at Trump world. Um, and they're trying to, which is why, by the way, when Cliff Sims yesterday said that, you know, Trump world had taken some hearings on having a briefing about this, right? I said, do it good. Send somebody in over to the White House as soon as possible from Trump world and say, we accept the offer of a Biden regime briefing on these balloons. Um, you know, you say we're in the Trump administration. And, and one of two things will happen in that circumstance, right? Number one, they'll suddenly rescind that invitation and not offer the briefing right. once the person denominated gets to Capitol Hill. Um, or two, they will give one of the most farcical briefings of anything you could possibly imagine. They will say, oh, you know, there was there was uh, a small clump of uh, children's balloons that were hanging around outside Hawaii in late 2017. And, you know, we, we perceived that that may have been a Chinese surveillance operation as well. But, you know, bollocks. It was a basically. gender reveal. <laughs> right. Well, well, I don't know if we're allowed those anymore. I think they're, they're you know, is it, I mean, but hold on a minute. That's a good point. How are we at the point, this cross point in human civilization where there are both gender reveals and no genders? Mm. Very well, strange. That, that's Very what, that's strange. why there's forest fires from gender reveals. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Um, anyway, you see my point is, is um, I, I don't think we handled it particularly well. I think, you know, the, as a PR operation, as a political tool against the Biden regime, it was handled particularly poorly. Um, from, a, from a national security perspective, I don't really need to say anything. I shouldn't have to say anything at this point. This is a, this is a massive public humiliation for the United States at a time where, by the way, another massive international public humiliation is metastasizing in the shape of Ukraine. I don't think people quite understand um, the the level to which it's bad. It's really not going well. And in order for that theatre to go well would require a decade more of your time and $10 trillion worth of your money and your armour and your armoury, you know? So it's all bad. So I'm looking forward to the State of the Union. <laughs> yeah, but sticking in the same thread with China and then spinning that into Ukraine and, and the Russia conflict going on now, we've come to learn over the course of the last week, well, not learn, but confirm now that China is providing military, technological, logistical stuff to uh, and aid and support to Russia in their conflict with Ukraine, while at the same time courting Zelensky to say that they're more than ready to help him rebuild his nation uh, following the end of the conflict. Now, as, as China continues to not only chest pump but metal in everything going on from, you know, things like TikTok and our economy, currency manipulation and that. Now they're getting directly into some place where the only meat grinder I kind of see is the one that uh, is U.S. dollars going into this conflict. Um, how big of a lead are we missing here while not saying China is not only you know, continuing to distract us by, by propping up and supporting Russia. And it's not just China. It's places like Turkey, the UAE. They're also complicit in ignoring international sanctions and supporting Russia in this mm. conflict as well. But are we missing the lead here as, as people like, you know, spokesman for the State Department and the, Depar- the Department of Defense over the last couple of weeks have said, 
you could fully expect to be at war by China by 2025 at this rate. It seems like they're kind of doing things that ramp up us becoming weaker, both optically and physically on the global stage, uh, while waiting for the opportune time to uh, do whatever it is they're going to do when they when they decide to take back Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, the answer to that is yes. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it's. I don't really need to add anything more to it. I think there was something funny, though, that I thought stood out to me about the wider point you speak to there. Which was a couple of years ago, where I think um, British special forces beat the U.S. Marines in some um, training exercise in California. I think this was two or three years ago now. Um, then earlier, uh, I think it was the end of last year, uh, or maybe it might have been at the beginning of this year, uh, you had uh, was one of the major U.S. defense people, I forget whether the defense secretary or, or what, said that Britain is no longer a, um, a top-tier fighting force in the world uh, as, a, as a military. Um and then just this week, the Treasury in the United Kingdom has come out and said we won't be adding any uh, budget to the to the defense budget, despite having given away half our workable stuff to Ukraine mm. and and pledging more for the future. So so it just means sort of, you know, this 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 very very quick shift. Two things stand out to me about that, by the way. If we're not a top fighting force in the world, the UK, um, and we're still beating your Marines a couple of years ago, you've got to be worried about it, what your fighting force looks like. Absolutely. Number two, um, and, and by the way, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that both, basically both have become far worse. Well, it's hard to do those competitions in a dress, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Our pronouns. Yeah, but we were wearing our kilts. Oh, so, perfect. You know. That's your story. Uh, um the uh, second part of it that stands out to me is it's the rap the rapidity right of the decline. Um, if if Britain is no longer a, a top tier fighting force in the world, it is not it is not you know because uh, you know necessarily we're just learning about cultural Marxist things in 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 army colleges anymore. It's it's partly that I'm sure, but it's also part of the fact that we've given. I'm going to do the Biden here since the State of the Union. We've given our stuff away. <laughs> Right. We're not a top tier fighting force because our tanks don't belong to us anymore. Right. At best, they belong to NATO. At worst, they belong to the Taliban, you know, and somewhere in between is Ukraine. No, I mean, and then when you look at some of the people who are on the sidelines right now, some of our biggest strategic allies that would be <laughs> getting involved uh, while uh, something with China and Taiwan would pop off, India, South Korea, the Philippines, Japan, even Australia, we, we've, we've done nothing to solidify those uh, ties or, or do anything with them over the course of the first two years of the Biden regime, probably except distance ourselves from them while worrying about which high-ranking officials are either wearing dresses, furry costumes, or uh, becoming frustrated because you don't properly address their pronouns. Yep. Agreed. I think, I think you know, that kind of sums it up. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting to see just what Joe Biden says or does in regards to the conflict in Ukraine right now and if China's even mentioned throughout the course of the State of the Union tonight. I, You know, maybe. Um, it's, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? It, it, the, it comes back to my first point. We didn't do a good enough job with that news cycle. So, so he kind of has this a little bit of flexibility whether or not to bring up the subject tonight. Should have made it impossible for him to claim any national security credentials. I mean, listen, between Afghanistan withdrawal, Ukraine, and, and this burgeoning China situation, this is one of the single worst moments in American foreign policy in in. A century, you know, the, Vietnam, yes, but my goodness, this is a low ebb. This is a low, low ebb. 
and and it shouldn't be this easy. Here it comes back to this problem that you and you and I, Ron, have been discussing off air, right? Which is who are our national security experts? Who do I want to pick up the phone to when I really, really want the deep dive on this stuff? To this day, you know, I'll say this to you guys and I'll say it to the audience. To this day, I'm afraid uh, a lot of my best sources for this stuff are my old friends in the neocon and globalist uh, movements. You know, I'll still have to give them a, a call or a text or go and see them in person to get briefed on a certain topic. Now, um, do I necessarily take everything that they're saying for, for, for truth? No, in a lot of senses, they're my best sources because while at least um, while I, while I probably turn it around and, and do the Jim Cramer on their advice, right? Um, the, the premises with which they begin their advice is always useful to me. It's how I understand what's going on, but we don't have those people on the right. No. And the ones we do, their voices aren't heard loud enough. I mean, obviously we hear so very few senators, a couple people in, in the House of Representatives. But then when you get into the actual agencies like the Department of Defense and the State Department, it seems like everybody is, is so deeply entrenched uh, from the Obama administration and just holdovers from there. And if they're not holdovers, if they have kind of their own opinion, the fact of the matter is the people who the administrative state, uh, the career bureaucrats who are, who are holding their jobs and careers over their heads won't allow them to speak it. I did hear a podcast uh yesterday it was uh you know someone who was a uh, part of the bin laden raid was talking about how there was an internal memo that had been disseminated through the air force saying like you need to be prepared for what's coming down the pike here with china and taiwan to the fact that you should be emptying a clip into a target every week as part of your just like basic routine because that's literally where this is going and um you know they they were uh making commentary on it, saying that they're surprised that this guy's been allowed to, uh, you know, send out internal memos like that. But then they kind of speculated that he's probably towards the end of his career. So I believe it's okay uh, because it won't matter when we actually get there. It's just very interesting to see. I mean, we, we did see Joe Biden even circle back to some of the problems that we've had with with the State Department and the Department of Defense during the Trump administration, where Joe Biden made his commentary on the balloon getting shot down. And he said, well, you know, I said, shoot it down as soon as it's safe. And, and I was kind of overridden by by Millian Austin. And mm. these were some of the same problems that that Donald Trump incurred over the course of I mean, he had General Milley working basically with his Chinese counterparts behind the scene against Donald Trump leading up into the presidential election and the time afterwards. So the different yeah, but the difference is but Joe Biden doesn't care that he was overruled by right. Millie and Austin and, and Sam Brinton. You know, he, he he defers to the administrative state. I'm surprised he knew. Yeah. So they probably just told him what to say. We we said we'll do it when we want to. Come on, hold on. Wait, it's a, I think you gotta focus on that. That's the signal right there. That's it's it's the deference of the of the so called commander in chief to the administrative state. Isn't it the same thing that we were talking about a few weeks ago when we were talking about, um, you know, how declassification system is going to change, Yes. you know, against the backdrop of all of this stuff It is deference. You know, deference is a really important political concept that we don't talk about anymore. It was what the entire British uh, monarchy was based on for hundreds of years was the idea of deference, right? That the, you, 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 this is, that these are God given powers. And if, and if your constitution is anything, um, anything of a document that enshrines uh, the, the, the foundational first principle type stuff within it, then necessarily deference has to be at the core of that. Well, okay, so in this circumstance, who would you, wh which way would you expect the deference to flow? Not that way, right? Not, not the commander in chief to the administrative state, the other way around. 
that, this is why I keep getting frustrated with the conversations that are had on the political right. It's always about perception and PR, and it's never about but the, the philosophy of politics, right? That's why when people look to the right for solutions, they don't always see them. That's why you had this result at the midterm. It's why we don't have the national security experts in the institutions. All of that, you know, what, you, what, what we have stumbled upon there in conversation is the critical point. And Biden is emblematic of the antithesis of what most people feel on the subject. And even though we're on the right side, we can't put it into words and, or writing or a policy document. Does it make for some of the America first people who are in Congress right now and the very few of them that are left inside of our biggest federal agencies, which include like the military and stuff like that? Does it make them kind of fighting for survival more of a fad other than not if someone like Donald Trump who's proposed of implementing something like a, a schedule F to to uproot a lot of this you know problem that we're talking about right now in w- which would be his second term uh it, or or do we just see like if if something like Donald Trump just goes away after this election cycle can we just consider you know that being the status quo moving forward that if like the administrators directly under or around the president don't feel like he's capable or in the right they could just pretty much overrule it without any kind of intention or consequence afterwards yeah i i don't know uh, i i guess the way i'm sort of the way my brain is sort of going with this right now is i'm i'm starting to think of you know what? What is the primary motivation behind a lot of the civil servants and 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 bureaucrats on you know within the within the Washington apparatus? It is um, you know I shouldn't have to pause. <laughs> it is um, oh no, it can end that. Edit it is self preservation, right? It's not it's not actual it's not power for for change's sake. It's power for power's sake in a lot of circumstances. The size of and scope of the federal government, much like the size and scope of Britain's national health service, is is it's it's just about survival. Um, they're not trying to make that much of a difference anymore, philosophically, politically, or otherwise. It's just keeping their jobs. And so whoever comes in is going to either have to, you know, deal with, gen- uh, you know, this is a generational change you're asking about here because, because you know, they're not going to go away quietly. There'll be, there'll be um, lawsuits upon lawsuits and upon lawsuits for, for decades and decades to come if people are just mass fired from the federal government. So you've either got to accept that that is the case and you may never as a result of all of that. Um, you know, the federal government probably doesn't have the impetus, because the federal government it isn't an actually a representation of anything except for its employees. It's not a representation of the public's will. Mm-mm. Certainly not. I mean, you can't make that case any 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 way, how, shape, or form. Um, so it's. It, I don't think the federal government would have the wherewithal to withstand its own. Um, it's you know its own contra uh, perspectives, and that is the perspective of its fired employees, right? So they'd fold and you'd never get anything done. They'd get rehired immediately. So the other option, the only other option is you have to create some kind of um, deal here. It's the same with corporate America, right? Why is corporate America lurched left? Because the left gave it a deal. The, the left was corporate America's bane um, not but two decades ago. And they did a dirty little grubby little deal about power. Well, we're going to have to do those deals with corporate America and with the federal government. If, if you know, I would love to be able to sit here and I see the Gadsden flag in your studio and and make some kind of libertarian case for shrinking of government. You've got to get hold of the reins of government first. And that doesn't mean just taking the Oval Office. That's what we all thought, right? Everybody thought in 2016, dude's coming into office. It's all going to change. 
And I, I was never under that um, under that illusion. I remember, you know, Bannon going on stage at CPAC with Reince Priebus, no less. <laughs> Good old Reince. And saying, hey, if you think they're just going to toss you the keys and say, hey, here you go, it's your turn now, then you're deluding yourself. And it was funny because at the time I was watching that from the audience in that room. And I thought to myself, gosh, why is he making such an such an obvious point like that is so that is like who thinks that way and then i came to find out that most people thought that way most people really thought that once you took over the west wing that was it you could kind of do what you wanted oh and you've got the congress you know to boot you could kind of you can kind of force through whatever you want uh-uh. <laughs> you know absolutely incorrect um so you know i don't know i i think this is more about this is more about weaponizing all of those things for me rather than shrinking right now yeah no i mean you make some excellent points we've had so many people i mean you had some points of your uh interaction chip were, were inside of the oval office during the trump administration in addition of in addition to that we've had so many former uh you know basically administrative assistants for the president special advisors and such come through who they, they've they've laid it out for our off uh, you know our audience on multiple occasions they, they mm. literally said like they would be sitting in a room with Donald Trump and whoever else was involved, Donald Trump would say, this is what I want to happen. He would look right. right at this advisor and say, make it happen now. And then that advisor would walk directly over to whatever agency Donald Trump wanted something from and said, this is what the president wants immediately. And the person that was basically the secretary would say, no. And they'd right. be like, what do you mean no? And they'd be like, I'm not doing that. It's not my job. You have to go through official channels and request whatever information or data he wants. And he's like, okay, the president just told you I want it now. And she's like, I don't care fill out a request and that's basically the way it went on whenever they tried to you know make stuff happen in in a swift manner so it is a big massive problem that's not going away anywhere soon and i definitely like your angle of weaponizing other than just maybe blanket firing everybody because then what would you be left with more suggestions to put in there other than uh you know we'll we'll, we'll get some more john bolton's and 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 mark milley's and and secretary austin's and we did uh you know real people who are going to go in there and make a difference so the other thing you have to recognize here, and I think, I think you know, I, I did send you a fourth topic. I think we should maybe hold on that till next time. Agreed. Um, because, there's, because there's another half an hour conversation in that, you know. Um, but there's, this is a, what, what we have to bear in mind is this is a, a relatively recent concept, right? The bureaucratization of, of, of Western democracies. Um, and, and yes, obviously America is a constitutional republic, um, but at the heart of its, uh, of its um, republican system, it also has representation, right? And, and the idea that it comes back to something I said earlier, which is that the federal government is in no way a reflection of, of, of the body politic of, of America anymore. Mm. Um, it really isn't. I mean, not left nor right. Um, even, even the like most extreme, um, I say extreme because I really do think these people are, are have, you have to be an extremist if you think that Joe Biden is a good president. Mm. I really do think that yeah. there's got to be something like fundamentally like off the, off the charts in your, in your, you know, backward brain function for that to be the case. And and so these extremist Karens, let's say, you know, the sort of type who's who's always screeching at you on Twitter about what a wonderful President Joe Biden is and, and using all of the, the, the boomer colloquialisms for, for Trump, like like Drumpf, right? That <laughs> that type of person um doesn't believe that uh that, that the bureaucracy should be doing 
uh, the bidding here, or, or sorry, should be doing the guiding here on this stuff. But somehow we've ended up in a situation where some people still believe that, I mean, like John Avalon, right, believe that actually that is just the way things are going. They've convinced themselves of it, mostly from not leaving D.C., you know, the Acela Corridor, they've convinced themselves of it. So so my point is, it's relatively recent. Uh, there's a, there was a book I read recently, I think it was called The Politics of Expertise, uh, that talked about this. Um you know, another another shining example of how silly this stuff can get actually came today as well, where Bloomberg News ran a news article that said John Major says that Brexit has been a disaster. Right. Well, for anybody that doesn't know, John Major was the prime minister that ousted Thatcher. Um, took took her position as prime minister in the early 90s, was responsible for uh, recession in the United Kingdom. Um, the, 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 you know, when, when the pound collapsed and all the Soros stuff happened. And, um, you know, he was always anti-Brexit. He was, he was one of the most vocal people against Brexit going into 2016. And yet Google, uh, Google News, Bloomberg News today puts up a news story, which is effectively, you know, uh, anti-Brexiteer opposes Brexit. Well, that's news, isn't it? That's something to to blast out to the world. And, and it was even push notified. That was push notified to me. So are they going to run a headline tomorrow that says Nigel Farage says Brexit is great? You know? No, they certainly didn't. They they actually did the opposite. When Nigel went on to comment on this on a couple uh, major news outlets, it was it was buried everywhere from Twitter to uh, just basically the internet, and can only be found in places like the back pages of the New York Post and and in in the uh, top stories edition of Breitbart. So so you know, I just I think I think to come back to my point here, um, this expert class is so very recent and they require so much um, upkeep of their own doing, right? PR and all of this stuff. They're obsessed with it. I mean, you look at these people, they are constantly obsessed with the public perception of them, even though even though they don't do the one thing that would change the public perception of them, right? Which is listen to the public. Um, I think it's easy, easier to surmount than people think, but I think it's a totally different strategy than people think. No, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, just looking at people like Mark Milley, that guy can't go on TV without getting his eyebrows filled. And that's before all the rest of the BS rhetoric that he's going to spin and, and double talk that he's going to do, which is direct contrary to the job he's usually doing behind the scenes, which is to yeah. not look out for the interests of our country and, and, and country moving forward. Raheem, this has been awesome sitting now with you. Probably not the segment that our listenership deserves, but definitely the one they needed. For anybody that's not already tracking you, uh, I'm sure you're going to be sharing our show today, but where can they find you on social media? Um, on uh, RaheemKassam.com and that's the Substack. I'm going to be doing a, 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 an interesting Substack in the next day or so, so people should listen out for that. And, um, you know, just on all the social media, really, I'm more interested in making sure that people are subscribing to this show because I don't miss a single one. As you know, um, I'm always texting my thoughts and feedback. And, um, I, you know, I think it's imperative because because I think you are one of the few shows that get it. And, we're, and, and what's important about getting it is that you get it when you don't get it. Like, like if you've asked the wrong question, you know, I noticed this with you and a lot of your guests, you will, you will, 
adapt to their to their reframing of the question that's not just me i mean i'm an extreme i'm an extreme um version of that but um i I've got to tell the audience that is something that is largely missing nowadays everybody all these podcasts i listen to so many podcasts guys and all of these podcasts that you listen to is just so formulaic and this is one that isn't and i think that's important well, we try to do the best we can here. I can only uh, look in across the table here at Noah and then you and the camera say, this show goes a little bit over today. This is uh, absolutely 100% your fault. But like I said, <laughs> definitely oh. definitely strengthened our apparatus today here on Steak for Breakfast. This is the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, one of our great friends. Glad he came in today. Mr. Raheem Kassam, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work, around the house. Our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com. That's MyPatriotCigars.com. A premium smoke. For freedom-loving patriots. Starting on his first day in office, President Biden signaled to the world our borders were open. Open to criminals, human traffickers, and drug traffickers. His administration's policies have eroded deterrence and stripped away enforcement tools. President Biden immediately ended enrollments in the migrant protection protocols, which required inadmissible aliens to remain in Mexico while their immigration case was adjudicated. He halted construction of border barriers, even through Congress, even though Congress had appropriated nearly $1.4 billion for wall construction just a month before. He issued a press release announcing a new immigration bill proposal that would give amnesty, which is legal status and a path to citizenship, to millions of illegal immigrants in the United States, signaling to the world that breaking our laws would not lead to detention and removal. And as things got kicked off today with the... Uh House Republicans Oversight Committee hearing on the border crisis. That was uh, the chair of the committee, Representative James Comer, kind of leading into a lot of the historical problems we have with our immigration system and how everything the Biden administration has done since the inception of it back in January of 2021 have done to make it worse. Uh, Noah, I know that you're a huge fan of border security and we have been probably one of the leaders in all of, of the podcast and news programs to kind of cover this from top to bottom. I thought you were going to say we were there as a country, we we're going to be one of the leaders of border security. <laughs> well, we're not. Well, it depends on what border you're talking about. Oh, U Ukraine, maybe. Yeah. Well, we're definitely the leader of that border. For yeah. Sure. New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, not so much. We're like a rich grandfather. Oof. But, uh, yeah, so things got kicked off today, and, uh, you know, it's just a, a, a long stretch from the policies that made our borders a lot safer under Donald Trump. Uh, to, to see that we're going to have hearings like this, obviously, we, we got into it with Alejandro Mayorkas is basically touting the great uh, successes I've had with uh, uh, on our last edition of the show, and we're going to be sitting down with the spokeswoman for Donald Trump. Liz Harrington is going to be joining us in just a bit here, maybe to talk about this, but all the other stuff that's going on regarding the Chinese spy balloon, the State of the Union preview, which is tonight, and then all things involving the Trump campaign. So you got to remember, uh, House Republicans uh, sent an internal memo around uh, ahead of this 
Oversight Committee getting kicked off today saying that we need to remember, regardless of what the Republicans are going to do on an investigative level, anything to do with border security is racist. Mm. Yes. So, and especially if you're a white congressperson, because then you are <laughs> the white face of white supremacy. Wow. I saw Rep. Grothman was uh, not really happy with that memo that went around. Let's hear him. It's a comment today that we're having this hearing uh, to amplify white conspiracy theories is one of the most offensive things <laughs> I've seen since I've been here. What? And I would invite any of the Democrats other than the uh, ranking minority member How to dare you? put out a press release or something if you disagree with this. Because this is such an inflammatory thing to put out there to the American public. We're having a hearing on the border and it's for white conspiracy. I mean, it's just awful what Wait, you people when did it? Thank you. When did it turn into that? You didn't know new? it was? No, I mean, it's it's always been. Oh. You didn't think? I just, you know, they didn't. They weren't painting it with that label, whitewashing it with that label until just recently, so I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't understand how these people get off on doing this. Sleep thing. at night? Yeah, there's, there's such a big, diverse um, group of people that are sitting on this committee right now, and, you know, it, it definitely got under the skin of quite a few of them. I know that uh, Representative Donalds was one, and, and he was not happy with that memo that had been circulating around and, uh, you know, stopped the hearing to use some of his time to point it out. I think that uh, when you just look at what we're trying to get down to here, I mean, obviously everybody in Congress is going to use the big-time virtue signal of fentanyl. We've already talked about that on the show. That's a major component, but a small component when it comes down to it. it. It has to do with all the other stuff that's that's going on that's kind of led to the fentanyl crisis. And if we don't go back and find the real root causes that is causing this influx in, in illegals crossing the border, then we are never going to be able to get to the bottom of what the actual crisis is on the southern border. And, uh, you, you know, the fentanyl crisis has been allowed to spin out of control uh, because of, of Joe Biden's policies and, and, and things of such. No, what do you think? I mean, we've kind of talked, tried to talk about this and, and, and rationalize it uh, in, in ways to make our listenership kind of a little bit more educated, but how is fentanyl just a small component of the overall problem that's going on when you talk about like, well, number one, just the amount of people, you have the terrorist, you have the you have the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, the child trafficking, et cetera. Well, you mean like besides the fact that there's more to it than just fentanyl? Yeah. I mean, I mean, but, but we, well, this, the point I'm trying to make is how a lot of our Congress people start talking about fentanyl deaths and uh, th there's such a larger problem than just that, how the fentanyl is a product of Joe Biden's border policies, but it's not the reason that the border is out of control right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the amount of, just organized crime that we're just allowing to take place and the, the strengthening that we're doing of these cartel organizations, like we're making them more money than, than they've probably ever made just because of these policies. When you think about all these like nebulous, like weird gray area don't donors that donate to the, the democratic party during the election times and stuff like that. Do you honestly think that these cartels with millions and trillions and billions of however many fucking gazillion dollars that they have just, money to burn they're yeah. not just gonna throw it like hey you know what here's some cryptocurrency and then we're gonna donate it here and then we're gonna put it in a swiss bank account and then hey we just funded your think tank because obviously this administration is the best thing that's ever happened to us since sliced bread and then we we're not even touching on the uh the fact of how complicit and organized the ngos are 
not just in the United States, but all throughout the third world in Central and South America and how they're just as complicit as, as some of these major cartels in in facilitating this ridiculous crisis that's spun out of control. And the NGO thing is a cop-out, too, because it's an it stands for non-governmental organization or something okay. like that, right? I didn't know that. So... You, but they're funded by the fucking government. Exactly. So how is it not a government organization? It's just literally like, hold on, I'm going to fact check what NGOs are. They're not a government organization. They're good. Yeah. Perfect. So they're getting funding and they've got pretty much, in some cases for the, for the uh, religious ones, tax exempt status. Yeah. So they're getting double. So now the government can launder money and not have to pay taxes on it. Perfect. We'd get into it a little bit today as we're just previewing the oversight committee hearing on the border crisis. Here's Representative Donalds uh, talking about, well, some of the realities that happened on the southern border. It's been said in this hearing that this is not a criminal process or a criminal issue. This is a humanitarian issue. Are there young girls who are being raped in the journey to the southern border? There are cases where we have debriefed uh, many of the young ladies migrants that um, have come into our custody at our central processing centers that have said that they've been abused. So we have young girls who are being raped. Mm. Mm. You, you don't hear about it enough. When we have real journalists on the ground, like the Daily Callers, Jorge Ventura on the show, you, you hear about it a lot. And uh, believe me, these are not isolated incidents. These are things that are happening every hour of every day through the entirety of the journey. And uh, it's something that's just not reported on enough. And if, if Democrats and progressives really cared about anything, they would care about this, which just means they don't. It's, it's a political stance for them to have open and broken immigration systems. And that's the line they're always going to hold, regardless of the human element and the body count that keeps piling up. In our last audio clip of the day, and right before we sit down with uh, official Trump 2024 spokeswoman Liz Harrington, let's hear MG, MTG talking about something that we all know absolutely works. A Democrat colleagues was talking about the wall um, as if it doesn't work. I assure you that the Democrats believe in walls because they've erected one around the Capitol today because President Joe Biden is delivering his State of the Union address to the country. Walls do work, and we want you to have a wall as, as one of the toolkits in your box to stop the illegal invasion into our country that's occurring every single day. All right, coming in now on the show to discuss everything related to the Trump 2024 campaign. She's the official spokeswoman for Donald John Trump. Miss Liz Harrington, thanks for joining us back on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. How's everything going with you? I can only speculate busy after uh, the successful launch of the campaign not too long ago in New Hampshire and South Carolina. We tracked that on the show and provided a lot of commentary on, on President Trump's opening messages. What did you think? Oh, it was incredible. The energy on the ground there was, was great. Uh, I mean, there were more intimate events, obviously, than the normal rallies, but there was great energy there. I mean, there are thousands of people lined up on the street uh, heading into New Hampshire and to South Carolina. And he gave some really great speeches and then stopping for ice cream at the end of the day. I mean, it, the, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like uh, the love the American people have for this man. Uh, the media will never show it. Everyone lies about it, but it's real. And he loves them. And that's why he's doing this. He, he loves the country. And so it was a great great day um and can't wait for more 
No, you know what? I, I keep looking at it from so many different angles, and I'm seeing all this stuff that's kind of, and we'll talk about it with you in a second, Liz, that's developing, whether it's like the nature of online influencers, whether it's the way the media is, uh, you know, spinning the, the narrative on, on, on Donald Trump's reelection bid here and stuff like that. It just seems like he has no interest in, in being in this race other than finishing up promises kept as, as part of his career as Donald Trump, period. Not the businessman, not the former, and, and could be, uh, you know, next president of the United States. Just as Donald Trump, the person, he, he made you know, business deals uh, for the American people that benefited this country. He proposed a lot more stuff and, and there's unfinished business to do. Do you think that that's a big component of this? Like Donald Trump, the person needs to like, you know, put the cap on, on his career as a person, just a public figure. And that's what the big premise is here for, for following up on those promises and saving this country for the American people. Well, that's what I was just going to say, unfinished business. I mean, the reason he even sacrificed this and ran in the first place was just simply to make America great again. He saw what was going on for decades. He didn't like it. No one else was getting in to change it. They'd all promise and you know claim that they would change it, and they didn't. So he had to do it, and it was so successful. And then they stole it from him. They stole it not from him, the American people. And he has a job to do. I mean, he said he was going to go in and drain the swamp. I mean, we never imagined how deep that swamp was. He's exposed it. He's fought it. He's still fighting it. But it, we got to finish it once and for all. And so absolutely, that's what this is about. It's about restoring common sense to our country uh, and, and for the American people so they can have the blessings of liberty of our great country, of what the founders gave us, um, so that we can have it for for not just us, but our children and grandchildren. That's what it's all about. And he loves this country so much. And that's why he fights for it. And absolutely, he's the one guy uh, who knows uh, how to fight and knows how to win. And he will do it again. I think he will, too. Uh, Liz, one thing that we saw, obviously, it just wrapped up over the weekend with the destruction of the Chinese surveillance balloon over the Atlantic Ocean, was the bad optics of it all. We, we, we've heard everything from, you know, the government was being secretive to the American public about this to try and save face with the uh, now-canceled Tony Blinken meeting with a delegation from the CCP that was supposed to happen sometime later this week. In addition, you know, we've had the Biden administration kind of spin this into saying, oh, well, the stuff this stuff happened during Donald Trump's presidency all the time to where we've had some of his most strategic allies and maybe people that he doesn't still have a great relationship with, like, you know, well, newly announced presidential candidate John Bolton even said that it was complete BS. <laughs> what can you say about when, when you see how, how this regime has continued to, to do stuff like that? And we've joked about it on the show today. Like if people didn't start dancing under this balloon on TikTok, the American public probably wouldn't even have known that it crossed over the country uh, at the point that it did. And, and then try to spin it into something like to just try and blame it on Donald Trump when, when pretty much everyone's kind of debunked that already. What, what, is, what is the Trump camp right now feeling about uh, this whole situation? Wow, there's just so much to say, and you covered a lot of it, but it, it is absolutely insane. Number one, it's such an obvious lie uh, peddled by the same Russia hoaxers and the dossier hoaxers, Natasha Bertrand. Uh, formerly Politico, um, now it's CNN putting out this headline, oh, it, it happened under Trump. 
Yeah, just like the Hunter laptop was Russian disinformation. That's the same <laughs> mm -hmm. reporter. I mean, it's so obvious. I mean, these are just hired guns. They'll just spread lies for the deep state. It's so disgusting. But what's you know worse about all of this is the fact that clearly this has never happened before. Um, and they were not, we wouldn't have known. We would not have even known unless people actually just happened to see it, mm -hmm. which is stunning that the arrogance they have, that they think that they can hide this from the American people. And I pose this question, how is this not treasonous behavior? They found out, uh, some form of the military found out, at least that's what they're saying. Who knows when Biden knew if they'd tell him or they don't tell him. It's it's a disgrace that we have no chief executive. We have no commander in chief, right, um, that he wouldn't even know immediately. But they claim he didn't know. But they found out on that it was entering our airspace on January 28th and did nothing. They let it come in. I mean, that right alone is treasonous behavior. Why did they allow this to happen? And then, of course, once the great people of Montana did see this um, and exposed it and they had to come forward and not deny that it was happening, they let it complete its mission. They let it do its trial run, whatever it's doing. I mean, uh, the surveilling is bad enough, but what are they planning? What are yeah. they the the humiliation is so awful. The sim the symbolism, but it's even worse to think what this could be. Um, you know what they could try to be using this for the, in the future, but to let it continue until it completed its mission and shooting it down when it was basically meaningless. I mean, the whole thing is insane, and it's so disgusting that they would even try to say. And Tucker Carlson was making this point last night. Oh, these are the same people that say literally everything President Trump does is bad. Oh, but now, no, no, this happened under him, so it's all good. Well, no, it didn't happen under him. And if they would have even tried, which they never would have, because China had a healthy respect for the United States under President Trump. But if they would have, that thing would never have made it into a U.S. airspace. We would have shot it down immediately. Yeah. It is. It, there's just so many lies about this. Uh, and the scandal and the fact that we do have someone in the White House and many other people at all levels of our government and Congress who are totally beholden to the Chinese Communist Party. That is such a problem. And our country is going to suffer for it. Well, that's the thing, Liz. We've talked about it throughout the course of the show. We've had, you know, Raheem Kassam came in and, and kind of broke it down with us a little bit more, uh, you know, talking about Balloon Gate. But the bigger problem that is China. You know, the, the United States, this current regime has tried to make Russia the villain of the world. And, and listen, we all know that they're guilty of doing a, a lot of bad stuff over the course of their history. But, you know, their border skirmish with Ukraine has been spun into something that's negatively affecting the entire world. Now it's affecting American taxpayers, hitting them in the wallets, driving up inflation, energy prices and all that stuff. But when you look at the root cause of all of these problems, the biggest opportunist here is China. Now, if you want to remove the balloon gate narrative out of it and just talk about things about how China is contributing to, you know, a lot of the things that are harming the United States right now, it's how they're playing both sides of the fence in this entire uh, narrative with Russia and Ukraine. So there was a New York Times article, also Politico put out a piece over the weekend that it's been 
you know, pretty much proven that China is providing military equipment, logistical equipment, funding, and other things to Russia in their skirmish with Ukraine. At the same time, we've also, you know, come to learn that China is courting Zelensky and saying, listen, whatever gets blown up throughout the course of this uh, conflict, we will help you rebuild at a marginal interest rate Mm -hmm. afterwards. All at the same time, while they're chest puffing, the United States with things like this surveillance balloon, and they've got their eyes on Taiwan, which even now our Department of Defense says, well, there's a better than average chance that we'll be with war by China by by 2025. (laughs) How has Joe Biden and this regime, who so many people have accused of being like bowing down to China, just continue to allow them take such a footing in in the world right now? Like, I'm not even talking about all the stuff about how they're manipulating currency and the economy, and then you want to talk about TikTok. And now we've gotten to a point to where they're literally playing both sides of the skirmish in Ukraine and they're not getting any kind of pushback from anyone in the world on it. It is, it is so frustrating and it's exactly what you laid out where they've, you know, made it all about Russia, Russia, Russia for, you know, six years now based on a bunch of, you know, nonsense with president Trump. I mean, it was all lies. It was all smears. Um, and meanwhile, China is just taking over everything, trying to supplant us uh, as the number one power, and we're helping them now. And we gave them Bagram Airfield. Uh, we've let them ha- infiltrate our universities. We've let them buy up our farmland. I mean, President Trump has laid this out. He's the only one who has taken it directly to China and stood up for the United States of America. No one else will, because quite frankly, they're all compromised in one uh, way, shape, or form. I mean, financially or worse. And with the Bidens, you do have both of that. I mean, President Trump laid it out in a video recently of how his administration set up an anti-Chinese espionage task force within the Department of Justice. And after the stolen election, Lo and behold, the University of Pennsylvania, where the Biden Center is, uh, with the classified documents, a bunch of their professors and academics write to the Justice Department and they say, no, 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 you can't have this targeting uh, Chinese spies in the Justice Department. And they canceled it. And so you have the type of self-dealing at the expense of the American people, our national security, It is a huge problem, and we're seeing it play out. I mean, this spy balloon is the latest example. It's very in-your-face, but this has been going on for years. It's been going on, really, for decades. Yes. Mm -hmm. And President Trump is the only one who has stood up against China, and that's what he's going to continue to do, and that's what we need to do right now. I mean, they are flexing their muscle, and that means a much more dangerous world a much less free world. And I mean, all these hawks, right? These, you know, puff up their chest, right? Talk about Ukraine. I mean, meanwhile, look at what it means when you let China become a dominant, the dominant world power. I mean, that does not mean a more safe and prosperous America or anywhere else, quite frankly. So, I mean, the the priorities are so backwards and it all comes back to the self-dealing and it's corruption. And that's why, They don't uh, make decisions on behalf of the American people like President Trump does.
No, they make special or they make concessions on behalf of the American people that cater to their lobbyists and and special interest group, the military industrial complex and such. You know, a real comprehensive solution to this would be ones that were already already successful during the Trump presidency, which would be to re-implement Trump era taxes and tariffs, probably implement some kind of a, a maybe a pause or even a freeze on student and worker visas that are coming from the CCP and then put restrictions or, or just in totality end all strategic land purchases, which it seems like the Chinese have become great enthusiasts of over the course of the uh, last two years of the Biden administration. Liz, last things I want to touch with you on, you, you said we didn't have a venue nailed down yet for the uh, first Trump rally, which is going to be incoming at some point, but our, our listenership is definitely going to be looking forward to hearing about that as we're the only podcast in, in conservative politics who breaks down every Trump rally from soups to nuts. But the fact of the matter is we could still hear from the 45th president of the United States tomorrow as he will be issuing some kind of a statement regarding Joe Biden's State of the Union. Is that correct? Absolutely. There's going to be a great uh, video coming out after the speech. Uh, just, you know, laying out the contrast. I mean, Regardless of what Joe Biden says tonight, the American people know the State of the Union is not strong. And he's going to get up there and say a bunch of lies. They feel it in their daily lives uh, of how bad, worse off we are uh, under his you know, lack thereof leadership. And so uh, it's going to be a reminder, I think, of you know what a great position we were in. Uh, under President Trump, and that we could easily be there again with common sense. And so talking about those fundamental issues is so important. I mean, seeing real leadership, uh, the Trump War Room and Team Trump Twitter accounts have been putting some flashbacks out from uh, his State of the Unions uh, under his first term. I mean, the statesmanship, the people he honored, those moments I mean, they're so timeless, and it's really what uh, this country, this great country is all about. I recommend you guys take a look and all your listeners just go back and look of, you know, what a great representation of what our country actually is. We're not going to get that tonight, unfortunately from Joe Biden, but we can get there again, and, and we will get there again. And we're working towards it right now. Liz, we're going to live link the uh, campaign website in the show description today. Where can everybody who's not already following you find you on social media? Go to Truth Social. I'm at Real Liz USA. Same handle on Twitter. Uh, Truth, though, is really where it's at. It's very hot, as the president likes to say. And mm. That's the only place you can get his uh, exclusive truth. So you got to check him out. You know, you certainly do. And we'll be looking forward to having you back again soon, Liz. It's always a great uh, insider information from everything going on in Trump world. We wish you the best of uh, health on the campaign tour with the 45th president, and we can't wait for the next time you'll be on the show. This is the spokeswoman for Donald Trump, Liz Harrington. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Always great to be with you. Take care. Not a bad way to start the week. What do you think, Noah? Well, if I was a spy balloon, <laughs> I'd be shaking in my balloonies. Shaking in your strings? Yeah. I like it. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and you want to hear the over 200 now editions of the show, you could follow us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts. We're even added to the Samsung store. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. We had the uh, National Director of Moms for Liberty, Catalina Stubbe. Great sitting down with her for the first time. Circled back with one of our favorites, 
Editor-in-Chief of the National Pulse, Mr. Raheem Kassam, and talk to the spokeswoman for the 45th President of the United States, Miss Liz Harrington. Friends, don't forget to go out and share some of your hard-earned cash with our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. If you want 80% off in the clearance sale, or you want the MyPillow version 2.0s, you enter promo code STAKE at checkout, and you're going to experience big, big savings there. Also, if you want the MyCoffee, you enter promo code STAKE, you're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STAKE, or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can only be found at Odyssey. If you're in the studio recording, doing a little podcasting action, you want to get serious, make the investment. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Having some man rubs chicken tonight. Nice. Going to be delicious. My kids love it. Check them out at manrubs.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. I think I'm going to do some air fried chicken. Mm. Support our good friend Alan, CEO of... The Patriot Cigar Company. They are absolutely fantastic. Noah loves them. So do I. They are a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. You can find them at MyPatriotCigars.com. And last but certainly not least, our newest addition to the partner's crew, Farmer Bill's Beef Jerky. And a promo code stake here. You're getting $5 off your order. You order a 12-pack, you're getting free shipping. Check them out at FarmerBill'sProvisions.com. Mm-hmm. Upcoming shows. We're coming back on Friday. John Solomon's going to be here for the first time. Investigative journalist. Can't wait to sit down and talk to him about just about everything that's going on. In addition to that, we're going to have the president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Gavin Wax. And I've got a soft, probably, from a political influencer, one of our great friends, great friend of the MAGA community, Alex Brusowitz, will be here as well. We'll come back next Tuesday, Valentine's Day. We'll be spending it with Christina Bob and Josh Hammer. Not too bad. Make sure you bring your chocolates. Darren Beatty will be here on the 21st. And Devin Nunes and Cash Patel will be here on the 24th of February. Friends of the Week, grab my list right here. I know I've got it handy. We've got our Truth Social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420, Real Siberian Kitten, CSM Master, and Friends. Johnny Maga was coming in hot this week, so was William. Spoopy's always creeping. We got the real Al Gorbachev as well. And uh, let's jump into the meme team here. Silent Meme Jordy shared a bunch of you guys. Machiavelli memes was permanently suspended from Twitter, but now he's back. Dumbass Photoshop had some heaters. So did Mostly Peaceful Memes. Who White Memes came in hot. Been sharing a lot of Namrock Namrock lately. That Southern dude, real Brenda memes, Hispanics for DeSantis this week, Edward Russell, John Hacker LA, and my Willow memes. Guys, thanks for remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Bet you didn't know that China was playing both sides of the fence of the Russia-Ukraine no. conflict, but here we are talking about it for almost an entire show. Number two, start a podcast. Yep, it's you're pretty good. Wel- you're welcome. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We sure won't be talking about it tonight with Joe Biden's State of the Union. Maybe Donald Trump's rebuttal afterwards and Sarah Huckabee as well. But That's going to be hot. We need to start talking about American greatness. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 211 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back episode 212 on Friday. John Solomon, Gavin Wax set to appear. Probably Alex Bruce Who knows who else is going to jump in. But on behalf of the pod team, hope you have a great rest of the week. I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Thanks for listening, and take care. And it gets worse.
team working on the statue in Lafayette Square kind of over-smoothed it. They ground the head down to about the size of a softball. And that spells trouble. All right, well, why don't we smooth the head down to nothing, stick a pumpkin under its arm, and change the nameplate to Ichabod Crane. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.